Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan, and a lot like the last episode, there's a lot of news going on. So let's start with the domestic top 5. Not surprisingly, the weekend was a bit quiet, as it usually is when it is Super Bowl weekend. However, we did get a new release, which opened up in first place, and that is Magic Mike's Last Dance with 8.3 million. In second place is Avatar The Way of Water with 7.2 million for a total of 647.2 million. Opening in third place is the 25th anniversary re-release of Titanic with 6.7 million. Dropping to fourth place was 80 for Brady with 5.8 million for a total of 24.7 million dollars. Fifth place was Puss in Boots The Last Wish with 5.5 million for a total of 158.5 million. Also should mention dropping to sixth place was Knock at the Cabin with 5.4 million for a total of 23.3 million. And at a 61% drop compared to opening weekend. Not great. But let's talk about the other movies as we will talk about Shyamalan in a bit. For One Brothers and Magic Mike, I guess this was the best I could hope for as it was previously a HBO Max movie. It should be noted that part of the reason for the low opening is, well, it only opened in around 1,496 theaters. Just under the threshold for there to be a cinema score. We don't even have a cinema score for this uh, movie because it's under 1,500. So why not give it a proper wide release? It seems while Zaslav has said theatrical releases are important, the HBO Max movies they have to release are not getting the full theater treatment. And it looks like they just want to get them, you know, a bunch of cash as much as they can uh, before they move it down the distribution chain. The possible one exception to that rule should hopefully be Evil Dead Rises. Horror films have been doing great since the pandemic, so if they don't give that a proper push and release, then wow, are they stupid. Paramount had a good weekend with the good word of mouth for 80 for Brady kicking in. It only dropped 54.3% from opening weekend, and the Titanic release opened in the top five. For China, The Wandering Earth 2 stayed in first place with 24.7 million for a total of 542.4 million. In second place was Full River Red with 19 million for a total of 628.7 million. Third place was Boonie Bear's Guardian Code with 9 million for a total of 200 million dollars. In fourth place was Deep Sea with 8 million with a total now of 113.1 million. And in fifth place was Black Panther Wakanda Forever with 6 million dollars for a total of 12 million. Remember, it did open on Tuesday, so it's already been out for a few days. In what's becoming a weekly update now, uh, it seems like this year, China has approved two more Hollywood films for release. The first is Megan, of all films, uh, which will release March 17th. Uh, it will open up against Shazam! Fury of the Gods in the country. Also, Dungeons & Dragons got approved with a release date of March 31st. For Paramount, this is fantastic news, as it will open up the same day as does domestically and in other international markets. Uh, kind of surprised Megan actually got approved. Now, there could be cuts to the film, but... Yeah, considering it's a, I wouldn't say a full horror movie, but like horror-ish movie, yeah, a little surprised. Personally, I don't expect Megan to make much, but Dungeons & Dragons, I think, is a wild card. It can do insanely well. I could see it hitting 100 million, but I could also see it bombing and making 10 million. Uh, but hey, look, at least for Paramount, they have the opportunity to promote the film properly over there and try and at least get people interested. Not surprisingly, Wakanda Forever did not light up the box office, but it wasn't expected to either. Also on Chinese social media, reception to the film has been okay at best, so word of mouth ain't great. More important test 
for Marvel Studios is how Ant-Man does next weekend. Looking at international numbers, Magic Mike's Last Dance did open internationally in some markets and made $10.4 million for a worldwide opening weekend of $18.7 million. A Man Called Otto made $2.8 million for a worldwide total of $92.2 million. Babylon made another $4.1 million for a worldwide total of $56.4 million. Nagata Cabin made $3.9 million internationally for a worldwide total of $36.8 million. And Avatar The Way of Water made $18.9 million for a worldwide total of $2.21 billion. Now let's get into the news from Hollywood, and sadly we start off with uh, back-to-back bad news. First is an update from Bruce Willis' family on his condition, and sadly it has turned into front temporal dementia. It was announced last March that he had abscessa and was stepping away from acting, as it was becoming more difficult for him to work. Thoughts and prayers are with Bruce Willis and his family during this tough time, as dementia really will only get worse over time. And another bad news, uh, Tom Sismore is now in critical condition in Los Angeles after suffering a brain aneurysm. As of now, they are reporting it as a wait-and-see situation. Just open for the best for him and his family. So look, there is no way to transition from those terrible stories to the everyday news uh, of the business in Hollywood. So let's just take a break for a minute. Let's get through some of the trailers that were released over the week. Uh, Lionsgate released the final trailer for John Wick Chapter 4. And what do you know, it still looks good. I'm looking forward to it, and it comes out March 24th. As it was Super Bowl weekend, we did get a decent amount of looks at movies coming out over the next few months. MGM did have a TV spot for Creed 3, which makes sense as it comes out in a few weeks on March 3rd. For Paramount, they had a TV spot with Porsche for Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which comes out in June. From Disney, we got TV spots for both Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny, and a TV spot and a new trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. The big one from the game was both a TV spot and a full trailer for The Flash, which does look good. There's some CGI that obviously needs to be worked on. I will say, I will say, since they are positioning this as the reset of DC, it is actually fitting that they are incorporating Zod's attack on Earth as it was with Man of Steel, the first movie of the DCEU. As for the rest of the news, I mentioned earlier we would be talking about M. Night Shyamalan, and we are because he has left Universal. Yep, an exclusive from Deadline, they are reporting that he has signed a first-look deal for him and his production company with Warner Brothers. Now, it's not clear why the change happened. Maybe he was not happy with knocking the cabin going to PVOD after 17 days. Maybe he wanted to change the scenery. Who knows? Uh, for Warner Brothers, this is a decent get, but based on reviews, they need to hope, I think, they need to hope that he steps it up after Old and knock at the cabin. As for Universal, this actually isn't too much of a loss for them, thanks to their Bloomhouse connection for horror films. In another first look deal, this one is from Paramount. They have locked up the Dungeons & Dragons directors Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, as well as their production company, Gold Day. I hope this and Dungeons & Dragons work out for them, as they actually directed Game Night a few years ago. I had looked that up, I did not know that. Uh, and it was a great comedy. If you haven't seen it, definitely worth a watch. Sticking with Paramount, we have an exclusive from Deadline where they have bought the distribution rights to a film for most of the world. The film is an action thriller called Assassin Club and stars Henry Golding, uh, Naomi Price, Daniela Melancor, and Sam Neill. The studio bought the distribution rights for the film worldwide except for Spain, France, Eastern Europe, and the Middle East. Currently, they are working on a theatrical release for the UK and the US. On the awards circuit, the BAFTAs took place over the weekend and All Quiet on the Western Front dominated 
winning seven awards, including Best Director, Best Sound, and Best Picture. The Banshees of Ana Sheeran came in second place with four awards, including Barry Keenahan for Best Supporting Actor. As for everything, everywhere, all at once, well, it was almost shut out. It only won Best Editing. Now, I would say this does not flip everything on its head just yet in regards to frontrunners, but that depends on the SAG Awards in a few weeks. Right now, everything, everywhere, all at once are the clear frontrunners for most of the awards. It's just that now the other films are starting to pick up momentum. Emma Corrin looks to be busy for the rest of the year with her being cast in two films. This is from an exclusive from Deadline, and they are reporting that she has been cast in both Deadpool 3 and Nosfatu. For Deadpool 3, she'll be playing the villain, which is unnamed at this point, and as for Nosfatu, her role is not known at all yet. She was in The Crown, and it looks like she's going to become a bigger star over the next few years. Now, let's talk about some release dates. The first is for Operation Fortune, the Guy Ritchie movie from STX and Miramax that was supposed to come out last year. Well, over the past two months, it has been released in some international markets, and now we know who will be the distributor for it domestically. Shocker, it's Lionsgate. They were basically the front runner for this anyway, domestically. Uh, but it was rumored that they were looking at possibly just releasing it on streaming, and that will not be the case. Instead, it will, be, it will have a theatrical release on March 3rd, as if March couldn't get any busier. It's nice this is getting a proper theatrical release, but with a short turnaround in marketing the film, I don't think it'll make much at the box office. Hopefully, it's not a straight-up bomb. Disney is also announcing some release date changes. First, The Marvels is being delayed until November 10th. This makes sense, as it always felt weird to have Guardians and Marvel come out within three months of each other, uh, but then have no Marvel film for the rest of the year. Yes, obviously that was not the original plan, Blade was supposed to be there, but still, you know, it got delayed. Uh, hopefully with this extra time, the CGI gets approved upon, and now with the Marvels moving out of summer to November, Haunted Mansion is being moved up from August 11th to July 28th. We got a new movie in development, and that is a sequel to Plane that just came out back in January. And guess what? It's called Ship. Hmm? I'm serious. No, I'm serious. It's called Ship. Anyway, the sequel... Will star Mike Alter in the lead role, reprising his character from Plane. With the story following him, it's expected uh, Gerald Butler will only have a cameo appearance at most. Makes sense. International rights to the film are up for sale at the European film market, with Lionsgate having a first look option for the domestic rights. I'm not too surprised this got a sequel, as it's done okay at the box office, but nothing special. However, if the VOD sales have been strong, then this makes a lot more sense. Keep the budget in check, easy money. Personally, for Plane, I thought it was alright, so uh, yeah, honestly, I'll give this one a watch at some point. Another film at the European film market is a horror film called Long Legs, and Deadline is exclusively reporting that Neon is close to buying the domestic distribution rights for the film. It stars Nicolas Cage as a serial killer, and Micah Monroe as an FBI agent who has to track him down. The film is currently filming, and most of the international distribution rights have already been bought. Finally, Universal is taking a play from Disney with their newest film and development, and that is a live-action adaptation of How to Train Your Dragon. The director of the animated films, Dean Du Bois, is set to direct the adaptation as well, and is set to come out March 14th, 2025. I can imagine this working if they make everything realistic, but I do wonder if they're using this as a test to adapt other animation films. Clearly, they know the Disney live-action remakes make a lot of cash. And Universal has a big library of films they can do that to. Personally, I don't want to see Minions in live action, but, well, you know, 10 years from now, who knows? 
For VOD Premium, let's take a first look at Comcast and Peacock. It looks like Peacock is starting off the year strong thanks to Poker Face. It's gotten great reviews, and it looks like even audiences are interested in it. Comes as no surprise then as they have already renewed it for a second season. I'm glad the show's taken off because Peacock needs some hits to build up their library. The more competition is always better. Comcast announced that their Xfinity customers will no longer be getting Peacock for free. Up until now, they have been getting the ad-supported tier for free. However, at the end of June, that will be removed. Instead, if they want to keep it, they can sign back up to Peacock at a discounted rate. How much is that? Don't know yet. This has not come as a surprise if Comcast has made it a point this year to make Peacock as profitable as possible. And well, a quick way to help with that is stop handing out free paid tiers. I'm curious how many will sign back up at the discounted rate. As for Peacock, they announced that Megan will be available to stream starting February 24th with two versions. There will of course be the theatrical version rated PG-13, but an unrated cut of the film will also be available to watch. That's a smart move for them to release an unrated version, as it actually might get more people to watch it. Quick update from Roku as they had their quarterly earnings report. They announced that the Roku channel now reaches 100 million people across America, give or take. This is up from 80 million this time last year. This is different from people with active Roku accounts, which is around 70 million. While the accounts are a bit more important, I think it is important that the Roku channel has a wide reach if they are going to spend money on building up its content offering. For Apple TV+, Plus, the big news for them this week is Ted Lasso Season 3. They have released a teaser, which actually is a proper teaser trailer. It doesn't show much, but they did give a release date of March 15th. I was a bit off thinking it would come out toward the end of April, but hey, the sooner, the better. The show is great. Besides that, they also released a trailer for Tetris, the movie about the game starring Taron Egerton, which comes out March 31st. Last year, 50 Cent left Stars, and since then, he and his production company, G-Unit, have kind of been uh, free agents in Hollywood, with the only big deal since then was to produce horror movies. However, this week, he signed a deal with Fox Entertainment to produce shows including dramas and comedies. The basic terms of the deal is that it is non-exclusive, so he can still make deals with other companies. However, anything produced for Fox, the rights will stay with Fox. This is a deal that I think actually works for both parties. For 50 Cent, he keeps his production company busy, and for Fox, this is a win, because if they can get him to make shows for Tubi, and they own Tubi, uh, with Fast continuing to build up, having some exclusive content, like shows produced by 50 Cent, would mean something. It's not clear if that's what they're going to be doing, but I do think it's something they should be considering. Speaking of stars, as part of their deal with Amazon Prime Video, it was announced that there is a bundle option available for Prime Video customers. If you have Prime Video, you can now get a bundle subscription of Stars and MGM Plus for $11.99 per month. The bundle knocks off 20% of the cost if you subscribe to both separately. The bundle knocks off 20% of the cost if you are subscribed to both of them separately. Not sure if this will grab a lot of customers, but it does make me wonder if Amazon is looking to possibly buy Stars. For Warner Brothers Discovery, they are running a test of HBO shows on their cable channels. This is an exclusive from Variety, and they are saying that for the test, the two shows will be True Blood and Silicon Valley, with the former heading to TNT and the later heading to TBS. Both shows will be edited, as they are both rated TVMA. As for why they are doing it, well, Kathleen Finch, who is the chief content officer for the company's U.S. network group, had this to say, quote, We have an inviolable arsenal of networks and assets, which give us flexibility and allows us to put our impressive content library to work on platforms where it can attract new audiences. 
On any given night, 30% of the available cable audience is watching one of our networks. On average, that is more than 86 million viewers a week. So our ability to move content around and promote to and engage that huge audience strengthens our hand in an evolving business, end quote. And she's not wrong. This isn't a bad idea for two reasons. Uh, one is both these shows are over. There's no spinoffs to worry about, so it's not like they're diluting, really. Like if Silicon Valley or True Blood had a spinoff on HBO Max, I think there'd be more of an issue. But these shows have been over for a few years now. So they're just sitting there on HBO, on HBO Max, just sitting there. And, unlike other moves they have been doing, uh, they're still available to watch on HBO Max, right? Yeah, it's going to be on TV, TNT, TBS, but you can still go watch the full episodes uncut on HBO Max. And for TNT, they are slowing down on producing new shows, right? They're dropping, uh, they dropped Snowpiercer. That was their big drama the past few years. You're going to need something to fill time. So why not HBO content? It's already there. Now, I do think for, like, say, True Blood specifically, it's going to be really weird to see an edited version of it. But I do think the idea could work in getting them interested, in getting people interested enough to at least try out HBO Max and then watch the shows without ads or edits. Between this and the Paramount Showtime move, it seems the media companies with strong cable presence are using that platform as advertising for their streaming services, which, since cable is slowly dying, it makes sense. In shocking news, HBO Max has ordered a new show. I thought they weren't allowed to do that. Anyway, jokes aside, the new show is called Duster, which will be produced by J.J. Abrams and LaToya Morgan, and will be eight episodes long. It'll focus on the first black female FBI agent who heads southwest and recruits a getaway driver to bring down a crime syndicate. The series will star Josh Holloway and Rachel Hilson in the lead roles. Now, Variety reports this has been in development at Warner Brothers since 2020, but it is only now going ahead to get made. And look, with all the changes last year, this easily could have been another cut. Hoping it turns out to be a good show. HBO Max also released a trailer for their upcoming series Love and Death, which stars Elizabeth Olsen and Jesse Plemons. The seven-episode series will premiere April 27th, with the first three episodes and then a weekly release afterwards. For Disney+, Plus, only noticeable news was an exclusive report from The Hollywood Reporter that Zach Galifianakis has signed on for the live-action remake of Leo and Stitch, though no word on what his role will be. Let's talk about Paramount, as they had their quarterly earnings and they were, I would say, overall okay. The good news is Paramount+, Plus, which gained 9.9 million subscribers over the quarter to bring a total to 56 million worldwide, if you include Showtime and their other subscriptions like BET+. The company as a whole is at 77 million subscribers worldwide. As for Fast, their Pluto TV service, they also gained users, now at almost 79 million monthly users. However, like a lot of other streamers, the issue is the operating cost, and Paramount is no different. Thanks to them gaining a lot of subscribers throughout 2022, revenue increased to $1.3 billion, up 30% from the previous year. That's fantastic, but expenses also grew, with their adjusted loss increasing from $73 million to $575 million. Also, a dip in advertising on their linear channels on cable did not help as well. As part of a way to fix this, there will be a price increase in Q3 for Paramount+, Plus, with the ad tier without Showtime increasing by $1 to $5.99 per month, and other tiers might get an increase as well. The company will also be doing a $1.3 billion write-down for integrating Showtime with Paramount+. Plus. Sadly, with these announcements, there were also layoffs at Showtime, with around 120 people being let go. Hopefully, 
they can find new jobs as soon as possible. Overall, it seems like Paramount is hoping that the Paramount Plus Showtime integration will help long term, but it's going to be a while to see before that pans out. It really depends on two things. What content Showtime produces and how will they market the new Paramount Plus with Showtime? They need to let people know that it's there, what it means, and what content's available. And if you haven't seen Babylon yet, and let's be honest, if you live in America, you probably didn't. Well, it'll be on Paramount Plus starting February 21st, though this will not be worldwide. Since it is still playing in a lot of international markets, it will only be available if you live in the United States or in Canada. And that's about it. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Facebook, links to those pages are in the show notes. I'll see you next time.